This is the Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media. Now, here's Jason Jones. Aloha, everybody, and welcome to the Jason Jones Show. I am your host, Jason Jones, broadcasting from the beautiful hill country of Texas. Okay, a lot is going on, right? A lot is happening right now. Uh, America is discovering um, we don't have election integrity in this country, at least in many of our states. It appears uh, we don't. Need, we shouldn't even have elections anymore. Let's just cut it out. Let's just stop pretending. Save the time and money. Save the the yard signs and the political ads, and just admit we are only allowed to. You know, in certain places, you are only allowed to vote for candidates from one of the political parties. Uh, that's all. Or or you can vote for other candidates, but those votes won't be counted. Or we'll count them, but then we'll make a, who knows? Who knows what's going on? But that's happening. And then uh, minutes ago, as this is being recorded, a missile landed in Poland, killing two people. A missile landed in Poland, killed two people. I, I can imagine that is a question on Jeopardy. And, and you would say... Alex, what is how World War II started? And that would be the winning, World, World, World War III. What is, and World War II, let's be honest. Alex, what is how the past two World Wars have started? Yes, and that would be the correct answer. So that's no good. So take iodine, that's all I can tell you. Go on Amazon.com right now and get some iodine. Not a good thing. The world is falling apart, all right, but all the media is talking about like three things right now. We're going, to st- we're going to talk about something else that's, that's very, very, very important. Uh, in Iran, right now, 15,000 activists are waiting sentencing. The first one has been sentenced, and that sentence was to death. All 15,000 are staring at a death penalty. And um, as the women of Iran... Did I say Afghanistan? I meant Iran. As the women... As the women of Iran are standing for their freedom, uh, the world isn't really paying attention. And by the way, the people of Iran are standing with them, truck drivers, everyone. There is really what, what appears to be a revolution happening in Iran. And so while the rest of the media is talking about three stories, I wanted to focus our attention on what is happening in Iran in this heroic effort to liberate themselves from a dystopian nightmare that they have been suffering since, uh, you know, the era of Jimmy Carter. All right, and so my guest, I have the perfect guest for this, and that is Juliana Taimarazi. She is an Iranian Christian. She is a Syrian, and she is the president and founder of the Iraqi Christian Relief Council. But she's an Iranian Christian. She escaped Iran as a young girl, and she is the person to talk. If there's one person we could talk to in the world on what is happening in Iran, it would be Juliana Taimarazi. So we're going to talk with her. But before we get to that, go to thegreatcampaign.org. The world is on fire. And we need to order our lives to serve those who are victims of this raging blaze, to stand with those who are most vulnerable. That is what we do with the Vulnerable People Project. And I can tell you it's becoming a bit of an overwhelming task. Go to thegreatcampaign.org. 
Become a monthly donor. Check out what we do. If you like it, if you're like not totally blown away, which you will be when you go over there to thegreatcampaign.org, uh, if you're not totally blown away, like not say, what? No. Unbelievable. Don't donate. If you're totally, if your socks go flying off your feet, which they're going to, they're going to, then become part of our team. We need all oars in the water. Greatcampaign.org. This episode is also being brought to you by freeourbishops.com. Go to freeourbishops.com, sign our petition to elected officials and our religious leaders calling on them to pressure the CCP to free the eight Catholic bishops they have disappeared and imprisoned. Rumor is some of them have already been killed. We, they need to be freed. China needs, the CCP needs to fess up and they need to take their boot off of the throat of the body of Christ in China, period. Free our bishops. Dot com. Also, you want to be free. Do you want to be free? Then you need to be informed. Go to iReadEpoch.com. Use the code Jason Jones. Your first month subscription is $1. You're thinking about presents. You're thinking about gifts. You're addled with anxiety. You don't know what to do. You make a list. You check it twice, okay? And then you go to MyPillow.com. You use the code Jones, and you get all your shopping done. Now, before Thanksgiving... So when the rest of the world's losing their mind, you're sitting back watching old World War II movies on A&E, okay? And they don't even sponsor the show. I just dropped A&E. Why? Because that's what I do. All right? Let's get on with the interview with the wonderful, the marvelous, my hero, Juliana Tamarazzi. It's the Jason Jones Show. Aloha, Juliana Taimarazzi. Welcome to the Jason Jones Show. Hi, Jason. How are you? I'm so happy to be on with you again. I'm doing well. Did I pronounce your name right? You did. Thank you. Taimarazzi. Say my name, Jones. <laughs> I don't know how to say, say that. Say it. Say it. Say Jones. Jones. That's awful. <laughs> you butchered it. So I'm offended. <laughs> My okay. deep accent comes out. <laughs> no, you said it perfect. I think I just, I felt like I said your name wrong for years. And you never told me. No. I said Tamarazzi. No. <laughs> and then one day. I, Listen, a lot of people call me Tamarazzi, which kills me. I don't know why, <laughs> where they get the Tamarazzi from, but it's okay. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, it's hard. You know, what's great about our big, beautiful country. It's hard. So There's so many names. There's so many names to learn how to say. If I lived in northern Sweden, I probably wouldn't have this problem, right? Oh, my God. Now, those names I'm unable to pronounce. You know, it's funny. Coming from Hawaii, I can say Japanese names, Chinese names, Samoan names, Tonga names, Filipino names. And then some of these, you know, European countries, I can't, I can't say it. I embarrass myself. It's because you're, actually your ancestors are from Europe, no? That's true, of course. So I can, it should be an infant. I can say English right? names. I can say that, but then you start getting, you know, there's a lot. There's a lot of names out there. There's a lot of countries like out there. Like Smith. Smith. I can and say Jones. Smith, Jones, Johnson. I'm great at those. But then you know, you got <laughs> Ukrainian names, Russian names, Czech names, Polish <laughs> names. That's Listen, what, speaking of Russian names, and uh, so my last name, the the root of my last name is Tamraz, right? And then when we were in Russia, we were Tamarazov. When we were in Georgia, we became Tamarazze. We came to Iran, we became Tamarazzi. And if you went to 
to Turkey, you would have been what? I have no idea. If you would have went to I've, Bulgaria, you would have been Tamar Razanova. Probably. Exactly. Huh? That's so a, I'm female. Exactly. Well, our Tamar last Mazo. name was changed. It was not Jones. It was my grandfather who came from Germany, great-grandfather around World War One, who didn't want a German last name, so he changed it to Jones. Really? Yeah. It's a true story. Oh, interesting. Interesting. I didn't know that. People always go, are you Welsh? And I am, but not because of my name, Jones. From another direction. I, I never knew that about you. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting well, fact. I think every American has an interesting story behind their name. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, the reason we're having you on, you're an Assyrian-American from Iran. You had to free persecution, flee persecution from Iran as a young woman. And as America has been watching, it takes us, how long does it take us to count ballots in this country? We're still counting ballots in the United States. of How come we could count ballots faster when we had to deliver them by mail, by, by horseback? The news on horses. Now we have supercomputers and cell phones, yet it takes weeks to count ballots. So America's staring at screens, trying to see who controls the House and the Senate. Um, Iran has is collapsed or is erupting into spasms of unbelievable violence. While there is all this rhetoric about a war on, um, on women in the United States, which is uh, poppycock, hogwash, there is a real war on women happening in places like Afghanistan and now in Iran. There are 15,000 activists facing the death penalty, and one young woman has just died in custody. I, was, I don't know if she was shot or if she, she died mysteriously, and 15,000 other activists, many of them, most of them women, are facing the death penalty uh, execution. And there seems to be a lot of si there's a silence in the West on this, and it's being lost, and even when people are talking about it, it's being lost in domestic politics. And, of course, we need to start close to home. We need to rake our own lawn before we worry about the neighbor's yard. But um, the fact that there is a brutal war on women erupting across Iran, I think it's very important that we get caught up and we pay attention to what's happening. And I thought there would be nobody better in the world to talk to about this than you, Juliana, and, and kind of bring us up to speed on what is happening. Is there going to be a revolution in Iran? Are we going to see this regime thrown out? Is Iran freeing itself? Or like we've seen so many times in the past 40 years, uh, are they going to, is this regime going to successfully clamp down on those who are attempting to rid themselves of this barbaric regime? You know, I think this is a revolution. Even though the West is silent and countries are, not rising to assist Iranian people. This is a revolution. It's not a protest anymore. In, in fact, that is one of the chants that they constantly say, the young people on the streets, that this is not an objection. This is a revolution. So um, you're, uh, you're absolutely correct. The West is silent. You know, um, I was, as you said, I was born and raised there. I was six years old when revolution happened. And it, what I'm seeing now and what we have witnessed for the last 40 years is really quite different than even the actual revolution that happened in 1979. It is more, it is louder. 
it is uh, not organized as it used to be uh, in 1979. And that's uh, that's the irony about it. Jason, there is no leader. These kids don't have any weapons. If they're lucky, they're able to make cocktail molotovs, which uh, on the Iranian um, programs that I'm on, that I watch and I learn about this situation, they were giving instructions on how to make cocktail molotovs to throw at the Iranian regime. Um, but it's so interesting that there's no leadership. And yet it is the strongest. And it is really the first revolution in history, if I may say, that it has been, it has started by women. It is being led by women. And it is uh, a revolution where they're empty handed. And uh, nobody's really helping them. Of course, uh, towards the end of this program, I would like to talk about what they're asking for, what the Iranians are asking for. But it's interesting how um, the U.S. has invited two members of the regime to come to have conversations with them here in the United States when they are actively killing people. This is the same crap that... Obama did during the Green Revolution, yeah. during the Musavi Revolution. Mm-hmm. The revolution exactly. was on the brink of success, and then Obama exactly. clamped it down. Exactly. On the streets, I've said it so many times, maybe on your show even, that Iranians used to chant Obama, Obama, which means he is with us. And yet he absolutely, absolutely, uh, disgustingly let them down. Just uh, about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, he just came out in their support. Very late. That was in 2009. And you know, it's interesting. Today is a momentous day. Um, on Tuesday, what is today? The 15th of November. It is a momentous day that we're talking about this because this is, this marks three years of anniversary of, um, the revolution that happened, uh, back then and three years ago, uh, uh, in Aban. Aban is one of the months, Iranian months. And this revolution, three years ago, ended up killing 1,500 people. A majority of it was concentrated in the south of Iran. And really, major- and, and celebrities came out in, the, in support of this revolution inside Iran. And, and really, um, the Western media really didn't talk about this that much. But now, uh, in fact, uh, Jason, you know, I sent you some things to, for you to look at because they organized Across the country in Iran, they organized people to come out to commemorate the three-year anniversary of that revolution that was silenced, basically. Um, 30 people, 30 universities, 30 universities have shut down and students are protesting from 30 universities. Across the country, the, uh, the marks, the markets, uh, truck drivers, everyone has gone on strike. Everything is closed in Iran. Everybody is on the streets. And most importantly, they're defying the tanks. So military has brought tanks on the streets in Tehran as we speak, killing people, trying to stop people. But this is a revolution that I don't think, and I really hope it's not going to be silenced. I think we're seeing the end of the Islamic Republic of Iran. Praise God. You know, what I'm seeing on the streets of Iran, I have been blessed. I went to Hawaii Pacific University. There were a lot of Iranian students that went to HPU, that their families fled to Sweden and Norway. And I don't know how, but they discovered HPU. And so we had so many students from Sweden and Norway, and so many of them were Iranian. 
you're my friend. I had the privilege of working on the stoning of Soraya M. When you work in Hollywood, you work around a lot of Iranians. And when you meet Iranians in the West and you look to this regime, it's very um, disorientating because there, there seems to be zero compatibility. It's as if the people of Iran are being governed by an outside invader. The regime in Iran has little to do with the sentiments of the people. You know, and, you know, and, and I don't, I'm sure you know this. I think we've talked about this. And when you do opinion polls on sentiment towards the United States and Americans in the Middle East, uh, Iranians have the highest favorable rating towards Americans than any country in the Middle East, including Israel, which is just unbelievable to me. And so when you see the courage the dignity of these protesters. And I had the privilege of working with them during the Green Revolution. Um, through social media, I was in direct communication with a lot of the organizers. We were working on slogans that would capture the attention of the West, things like this. Our movie, The Stoning of Soraya M., had just come out. But how successful has this regime been in changing the culture of the people of Iran? Or have they just suppressed the culture without transforming it? I'll tell you what they've done to their faith as their religion. Um, they have successfully made Islam look ugly, awful, and disgusting. So, as you know, um, the, the fastest growing church is the underground uh, Iranian church. And a lot of people are either converting to Christianity or they're leaving uh, Islam and becoming atheists or they're just... Uh, becoming agnostic, right? Or um, they believe in God, but they don't believe in any particular religion. So they've been successful in destroying Islam in the eyes of the Iranian young people. Uh, what they have tried to do, you know, let me tell you a little bit about why there has been repeated uprising for the past few decades. Uh, the poverty is skyrocketing in Iran. The corruption is so high that one of the buildings, one of the high rises in Abadan, which is a southern city in Iran, southwestern Iran, uh, called Metropole, that fell, that collapsed twice, Jason, twice, because because due to corruption, it wasn't built correctly and killed dozens of people. When there was water crisis, people in the parliament, parliamentarians and the government mocked uh, farmers. Can you talk people- about the water crisis? This was a horrible crisis. And in the West, we're jibber-jabbering about nonsense like the rainbow flag and global warming. The people of Iran have been suffering a horrible water crisis. Yes, and also southern Iraq as well. Both countries have suffered tremendously. Um, so all of these, uh, plus drugs, there is so much drugs that had been induced, that have been given to the young people to uh, oppress them, to suppress them. And I see that happening here in the United States. Things that have happened in Iran against the young people, I see them being manipulated here and brought here to the United States to um, to uh, really distract the young people from what is really happening in the United States. So back in Iran, back to Iran, uh, all of these things have come together. And Mahsa Amini, who was killed 60 days ago, um, two months ago, she was not the first person who passed away who was killed in the hands of the regime. Multiple have been killed. Multiple have been imprisoned. But that was it. That was, Young women said, enough is enough. She didn't do anything to deserve this. So they rose up. 
Um, and what they're asking for, Jason, is very simple. Honestly, it's very simple. They're asking the West to uh, not allow the ambassadors to stay in, diff- in their countries. They're asking the diplomats to be, uh, to be sent back, to be deported back to Iran. They're asking for sanctions to be applied to children of the regime that are outside Iran living the life. I see videos of uh, sons and daughters of these mullahs, of these clerics, of uh, the people that are working for the regime, of the Pasdaran, that are really, Jason, enjoying the best life that you and I as an American are not privileged to enjoy with millions of dollars that have been brought to the United States, to uh, Venezuela, to other places. Um, So Iranians are asking for sanctions to be applied to those people. Um, They're asking for really the the halt, immediate halt of relations, diplomatic relations, and also economic relations with Iran to put pressure for it to really destroy and that will lead to the destruction or um, uh, to stop the relationship with Iran in order for it to collapse. Otherwise, if the United States and Europe continues uh, trade with Iran, um, continues supporting them in different ways, and not pay lip service. We need to stop paying lip service to Middle Eastern people, Jason. We have paid lip service to my own Assyrian people in Iraq for decades. Um, and it's great that Americans wear, um, you know, supportive outfits for Iranians and they t- take to the streets and they protest. But there's more diplomat. The, the need, the diplomacy needs to change. Um, the political needle needs to move. Otherwise, Iranian regime is not going to collapse. So I think, personally, that you and I as activists in the United States, you and I that have a deep reach into our churches in America, we have to wake the American church up. We have to make the good-hearted Americans understand that if the Islamic Republic falls, everything will change worldwide. Because in 1979, Khomeini said, I will deliver my revolution to four corners of the world. And Iran has been the number one exporter of terror across the world that has impacted our young men and women that died on Iraqi soil. You could even say that the rise of like ISIS was a response to fear, the fear of Iran, right? So even Sunni extremism in many ways, like in Iraq, was a response, do you think, to the regime? Or is that going too far? Yeah, I think, I think, well, I think they've supported Islamic State uh, in a way, uh, directly and indirectly. They have, well, they are supporting the Islamic State in Afghanistan 100%. In Afghanistan, they absolutely. They are, absolutely. yeah. But I think, but I think. But in, yet in Syria, in Iran, they, but in Syria, they were fighting the Islamic State. Uh, they were trying to fight it along with Russians, yes. Yeah. But, but in Iraq, Iraq is a whole different story. Uh, in Iraq, Iraqis, uh, en masse, Sunnis and Shiites both rose against the Iranian infiltration in Iraq. Uh, but today, for example, I'm unable to go back to Iraq because of the Iranian uh, power that uh, is so deep in the Iraqi Kurdistan as well as in Baghdad. Um, and unfortunately, they, I don't know if you know, but a few days ago they assassinated an American uh, in Baghdad. And there was a Canadian that also died. Um, now the Canadian death was, he's a, he was a, um, captain 
the Canadian one, Iraq is based on my sources in Iraq. They're not ruling that as a murder, but the Iraq, but the American assassination is a murder perpetrated by Iran. So we, I mean, this is so complicated. Well, Iran labeled, you know, Iran labeled me an agent of Israel in their papers after the movie, the stoning of Soraya M came out. Yeah. I don't doubt that. Which is absurd. But, so you're saying Well, you is, think they label everybody that. That's true. So it's not special. <laughs> <laughs> they, they label, whoever is working against them, they automatically become an agent of Israel. Yeah, it's bizarre. Um, so, so this is the sorrow. So a free Iran liberates the region from Yemen to Afghanistan. Absolutely. And Absolutely. for the Christians in the middle. And, and, and if I'm Muslim, the scandal of this regime is causing young people to flee from their faith. Yeah, absolutely. There are, there, I don't know if you've seen these videos, but they show when a cleric with his, um, with his thing on his head, I don't know what it's called in Farsi, in English, um, but Ammame uh, is in Farsi. Uh, as they're walking down the street, young people run and they take the, the cap off, the thing off the cleric's head in form of mockery, in form of a protest that you do not, you're not welcomed here anymore. So a lot of clerics are not able to go in their Islamic garb, if you will, on the streets. They're afraid because they get beat, uh, dragged down, um, uh, dragged behind cars, actually, and uh, they're mocked on the streets. So this is a revolution. It's not a protest anymore. Praise God. And do you believe it'll be successful? Jason, I, um, uh, they say in the crazy, in the madness of despair, uh, there lives the sanity of hope. And we must, we must have hope and faith in these young people. And we must assist them. What does that look like? Aside from what I just already talked about, uh, uh, the sanctioning against the um, regime and, um, you know, uh, deporting the ambassadors and et cetera. These people are empty handed. I don't know how, I'm not a politician, but I know the young people must be assisted with weapons because what's happening on the streets is not just um, uniformed people are attacking, uniformed uh, members of the regime are attacking people. A lot of people who are not Persian, they have an Arabic accent when they speak Farsi. They have an Afghan accent when they speak Farsi. They uh, dress in casual clothing, in civilian clothing. They attack people. They beat people to death. I watch videos of people getting murdered by by guns by, or by knives, uh, by people dressed in civilian clothing. Um, so if these kids are not armed to defend themselves, um, I don't know. And there is no leadership that will guide the, the revolution. Um, it's going to take a long time. But uh, the way we can assist from the West is by diplomatic pressure that we can apply. And by cutting off cutting off uh, our trade agreements with them to put, to put pressure on them. Um, and, you know, it's not, it's, there's, there's, human, there's human dignity and there's human factor here, right? We're talking in general as a country what will happen, its impact regionally and really on the entire world. But look, I'll tell you a story. Um, there was a young woman, I was just listening to her audio. She sent an audio message to her friend saying, I'm 19 years old, and in my 19 years of life, I've never been beat as much as I was beat for in a couple of weeks, during the couple of weeks that I was in uh, detention. 
they beat me so much. I never cried. I never shed a tear, but I screamed. And you can tell I've, I've lost my voice. She had a, cor- a hoarse uh, voice. And she said, um, I kept on screaming at them, defying them. But you know what she did two days ago? She killed herself, Jason. Absolutely heartbreaking. And, and, and that statement, I've never been beaten so much in my life as I was beaten in those few weeks, tells you that she's had a life of beatings. That's such a weird thing to say. That is such a strange thing to say. I, have not, yeah. I, I was never beaten so much in my life as I was over these past couple of weeks. That means she was not um, a stranger to, to, to being abused violently. Yeah, I, I can't, I can't, I, I, I thought the same, to be honest, but um, on record, I will go and say, I can't really make a statement because I don't want to dishonor her family or her right. surrounding. Right. But, um, but that statement alone, the fact that she suffered so much in detention, um, and, but she never said it, said it here. That sends such a strong message, such a message of defiance and strength. And then uh, she God kills herself, you know, and the fact yeah, is she exactly killed herself yeah. so they could no longer abuse her. It's yeah. sorrowful. That was an act of you will no longer have this woman to beat. And I don't want to draw you into domestic politics or enter, you know, nighting warfare with Western feminist groups, but I'll say this. They're missing in action. We are so decadent and selfish. We obsess on our little differences and problems, which are becoming quite big, by the way, because of this tyrannical impulse from the left in the United States. But the biggest problem is we're no longer the light on the hill. We're silent. We're no longer even paying attention. Juliana, when the movie The Stoning of Soraya M came out, Western feminist groups said to me, we cannot support your film because it makes our problems seem trivial. Huh? That seems awful sad. In other words, I agree. they are trivial is what you're saying, and you don't want to bring attention to serious problems because your problems are trivial. I agree with, I agree with you. Children's uh, organizations are silent. Kids are being killed. These are not just college students that are being killed, shot in the head, uh, tortured, stabbed, cut into pieces. These are, there are also children that have been uh, killed, kids. So where are women organizations? Where are anti-death penalty groups? 15,000 people are facing the death penalty eminently. You know, Avin Hospital, Avin Prison uh, was formed really for thugs. But now it is populated with scholars, with uh, political dissidents, with really thought leaders, with artists. They have arrested. They arrested this rapper, fantastic rapper, um, and we have no idea what's happened to him. There are people that um, I don't know if you remember. A There's few two weeks rappers ago. actually. You know, people are forgetting about this Kurdish rapper as well. In Iran, I didn't hear. Yeah, about him. there's another rapper, a Kurdish rapper, who's facing the death penalty any day now. He's an Iranian mm-hmm. Kurd. Um, then there's this, I, the more famous rapper. Speaking of Iranian Kurds. Um, a lot of them have sought refuge in uh, Iraqi Kurdistan. And now Iran is selling, is, is uh, attacking Iraqi Kurdistan. They've attacked recently as close as Erbil, Soleimania area, uh, because of 
you know, trying to intimidate the KDP, the Kurdistan Democratic Party and the Barzani family to get the, to deport these Kurdish, uh, Iranian Kurds back to Iran so they can get executed. So the region is really on fire, Jason. It is on fire. Um, if this revolution is not back, if this revolution does not, it does not succeed, which I think it will succeed. I mean, I see the defiance in their faces and their voices. Um, we are looking at even a more hostile, tyrannical regime in Iran. You know, it says in scripture, you chase a demon out, seven worst demons come in. You know, we, we, we embolden this demon. Um, it will become even more aggressive and assertive. And not to mention, they are committing a, a cultural revolution. Uh, as you said, they're filling their prisons with their scholars, with their most courageous young men and women. Um, they're artists. And all you're saying is what we need to do right now is insist that our governments end diplomatic relationships. Instead of the mixed signals, I was proud of Joe Biden on the campaign trail. He was out there saying, we're going to free Iran. And and then as soon as the, the election's over, now he's meeting with the regime. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um what we, I, I believe what we need, what needs to happen because Iranian uh, diaspora is extremely strong. They have, you know, they have different, like every other uh, nation, uh, nation people. Um, they have different groups that potentially could be against one another. But on this case, in this case, they all have come to, to, uh, together on a united front to support their brethren in the ground, on the ground in, in Iran. So I think what we, um, as Christians in America and as, as Americans, regardless of our faith, really, we have to support the Iranian diaspora here in the United States and in Europe. For example, uh, a couple of weeks ago, the largest protest, Iranian protest happened. I believe close to 100,000 people from across Europe went to Berlin and they took to the streets chanting and, and requesting the world to really pay attention to this. So, I think what we have to do is to put pressure on the new Congress. Um, well, Congress is going to happen in January. But on this current regime, as we stand today, because every single day that we're silent, Jason, as you and I know very well, because we've been active in different parts of the world, it is going to be, uh, we're wasting time. Every moment that we're silent is a time that is lost. So um, I think we need to really put pressure. We need to hold our state representatives, our representatives really accountable uh, for what's happening and for their silence or to encourage them for their actions. Yeah, what is the threat? As you have said, the world is on fire. So we have uh, the Chinese trampling across East Turkestan, Chinese occupied East Turkestan. We have Afghanistan. ISIS is running amok, blowing up schools. Uh, the country's collapsed into starvation and famine. Just uh, minutes ago, uh, as this airs, just minutes ago, uh, a Russian missile landed in Poland. This could trigger World War III. A Russian yeah. missile landed in Poland, killing two people. We have fentanyl running across the border. We have an election that seems to lack integrity in the United States. Juliana, how do, you know, you know it's our job to, I run the Vulnerable People Project, and you run the Iraqi uh, Christian Relief Organization, and 
it's our job to get people to pay attention to the most vulnerable people on the other side of the world, the most vulnerable people in the world, which hopefully for you is on the other side of the world. It may not be for you. You might be next door. Um, but how do we, what is the thread that connects everything? How do we get people to focus on this? It's just so overwhelming, right? It's so it really, overwhelming. It really is. You know, I think, you know, I love philosophy. You know, I get philosophical a lot, but you know, we really have to, before we take a step, we have to look inward to see, to go to our um, principles, right? What is the most basic principle that we must honor? It's human dignity. Across the board, board everywhere in the world. And everything stems from there. Um, do we honor human dignity? Do we honor our children that they're dying of fentanyl here? Do we honor... Uh, the East Turkestan uh, Uyghurs that have been suffering? Do we honor the Assyrians that have, um, at the point of death, kept their faith? And do we honor the Iranian Kurds, right? And everything else, we have to build on that. Um, I think we have to reflect first. We have to pray. And we have to um, encourage our leadership to, take the, to, make the, to not just look at everything based on their own self-interest at this time, but really consider human dignity and go from there. It's easier said than done. It's probably nicer on paper or on podcast saying this. Well, I always think like the person listening, right? Like, so someone's listening right now and they're, they're getting ready to pick up their kids from, from school and then they have to drive into dance class and they're, they're paying attention. They're paying attention to what's happening in Arizona. It's just, it has to be overwhelming, but but, you know, Paul in his letters, um, over 60, 70% of the time, I think, when he talks about praying and tithing, it's for the persecuted church. And so you work specifically and closely with the persecuted church in Iran and in Iraq and Syria. Um, and so we do need to be mindful of them. And then we're citizens of the most powerful country in the world. Are we squandering our power? I mean, right now, uh, at the World Cup, the U.S. soccer team changed their logo to be the rainbow flag instead of the red, white, and blue to make a statement. And I'm thinking, this is the statement you want to make in Qatar when you could be standing with the women in, in Iran. But instead, you're upset that wealthy Westerners who are gay don't feel comfortable to prance around Qatar. This is what bothers you. This is who you're standing in solidarity with, the very the wealthy of the wealthy who get who travel to the World Cup every year. So this is who the US soccer team decides to stand in solidarity with. Wealthy folks who don't feel completely comfortable in a foreign culture and country um doing what they couldn't have done in this country 30 years ago, 40 years ago, feeling comfortable. So this is what so it's like as if we've just obsessed on ourselves. Right? We just obsess think, on our own problems. Yeah. And I think we're just with reality, Jason. Sorry to interrupt you. No, no, go I ahead. Think we'll disconnect. I think there's a real disconnect with what is really important and with what is trivial. Um, and that disconnect has a very heavy cost that we see happening around us. It's unfolding right in front of our eyes. And because we have walked away from God, I will tell you this. This is what I really feel with 
with from the depth of my soul. Because we have walked away from God, because we have walked away from the principles that have made Western civilization, we see the collapse of our society. Yeah. I mean, you have a you wrote a great book. You wrote a great book. They you really prophesize a lot of this that has happened in front of our eyes today. It's quite sad how fast our book, The Race to Save Our Century. By the way, thanks for mentioning it. Um, anyone who donates today at thegreatcampaign.org, any donation of any size, um, I will give you um, a free copy of our book, The Race to Save Our Century. You know, that book, when we sent it to the publishers, Juliana, they said it was over the top, outlandish. Hmm. So despairing and pessimistic. And I said, well, you know, I hope so. But then within months of our book going to the publisher, ISIS erupts. You know, within months of the book going to the publisher, uh, the CCP takes a wild swing, especially in East Turkestan. Uh, we had like 60 pages removed from the book on Ukraine because the publisher thought our obsession on Russia and war in Ukraine was a bit bizarre and that, that it wasn't going to happen. And... uh and here we are. We just had a missile land in Poland. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Where World War One kicked, World War Two kicked off for most of the world. It started obviously earlier for other folks. But for most of the world, World War Two kicked off in September of 1939 in Poland. So here we are. Juliana, I've known you. How long have we known each other? We met, uh, at, Honor, we met at the Honor Diaries premiere. Correct? Yes, I think it's been already 10 years. That we've known each other. But see, it seems like I've known you for much, much longer than that. Yeah. We've been together through a lot of struggling to serve the vulnerable in Iraq and Syria and Afghanistan and in and, 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 and Belarus and Ukraine. Right? Exactly. Um, exactly. And here which, which ended up, I mean, as, as we're talking about all this gloom and doom, which is really reality, um, a ray of hope. Uh, our work that we did together in Belarus, uh, we ended up, the young man, after being away from his family for seven years, uh, a, a young Christian man from Syria, uh, ended up meeting with his family, and now he lives uh, in Sweden. So there is, when we come together to serve humanity on a united front, we're able to make things happen. And we've seen that over and over again together in our working relationship, Jason, for 10 years. And, you know, that one man, that one young man means everything. I was on my silent retreat last week, Juliana, and I'm telling you, for three days of silence, I, I was despairing. I just kept thinking. You know, we had a school that was, was blown up a couple weeks ago in Afghanistan that was on our list to be secured. And I just was at this retreat feeling like the world's biggest failure. And I was going back to when I was meditating and thinking about when I graduated college 25 years ago. And what my life was like, I was a bar host slash bouncer to bar, substitute teaching, the director of a local pro-life organization, Hawaii Right to Life. I tasted salt water every morning. I had fresh mangoes and papayas every day. Um, and I thought, why? I just wasted my life. I feel so broken and just, just useless and pathetic. And um, I just thought, you know, man, I should have just stayed <laughs> I should have become a substitute. I should have been a teacher, uh, su sub, you know, um, supplemented my income working as a, a waiter and never have left Oahu, 
been in the ocean every day of my life, eat papayas every day of my life. I'm just broken and I feel useless. And then Father Rocky, uh, you know, I think you know Father Rocky. He's the CEO yeah. of Relevant Radio or president of Relevant Radio. He was our um, a spiritual director for the retreat. And then Father Rocky at the end of the retreat just looked up at all the men there and said, weary soldiers win wars. And that just answered my question that I had been thinking about all week. Like, I'm so weary, so I must be a failure. Like, I've just wasted my life. If I was a success, I would be full of vim and vigor and energy and be running around smiling like uh, Tony Robbins, high-fiving people all over town, you know. But uh, then but what Father Rocky said there, weary soldiers win wars. I was like, oh, of course I'm weary, you know. And then you remind me of this young man in Belarus that was very challenging. Um, as so much of the work we've done together is very challenging. But to know just one man is now happy and peace and with his family. If that's the only thing you and I ever did in our entire professional lives, that will be a great thing. Yes, because we saved an entire generation through that man. And heroes who uh, race to save uh, those that they come in contact with or save those that they may never meet, but with their activism, they try to save a group of people. They um, suffer the greatest, I think, emotionally, because we feel that we are late. We feel that uh, we're lost. We feel that we didn't do enough. We didn't do enough. I mean, I get it, but you are, I've said it a million times. I'll say it again. You're my hero. You're many of our, many of us believe that you're our hero. You are our no, hero. No, and, don't say that. Uh, and, but you, you, tremendously changed countless of people's lives. Uh, but it, it is the heroes that feel that they fall short all the time. And yet they are the ones who are changing the world well, because they're humble and meek. Well, I you're, no, you're my hero and the work that you do at the Iraqi Christian Relief Council inspires me. And the true heroes are the people we're never going to know, right? Um, you and I get invited to speak and people tell us we're great. That's wonderful. Um, but the true heroes are the people we partner with. Can you tell us the names of some of these heroes in Iran, the young woman that was just killed, the woman who was beat to death, the name of the rapper? Can we just say the names of these heroes? Because this podcast, people are listening in every continent but Antarctica. I want Antarctica, by the way. So if you know someone who's a scientist out there measuring global warming, ice, whatever they're doing out there, send them the show. I will see it. I'll go, bing, look, I downloaded Antarctica. But people are listening all over the world. I want them to know their names. I want the names of these young heroes to be heard. I will tell you uh, three names. Uh, Mer uh, Mershad Shahidi, he was 19 years old. He was killed on the eve of his birthday. Uh, he was a, an up-and-coming, he was actually the head chef in this restaurant. He was beautiful. People thought he was a model. He was great. He was killed the night of his birthday. Mahsa Amini was killed five days before her birthday. Uh, she was a young woman, maybe 22 years old, from um, outside Tehran. He, she went to visit uh, Tehran, and she was beat, and she passed away. Uh, Tumad Salehi, who is this very famous Iranian rapper, who is, 
I hope he's still alive. I know he's in custody in Evane prison. Say but his name again. People. Say his name again. The rapper. His name is Tumaj. T O O. Oh yeah, I've seen, he's great. He's he's very talented. I'm, I'm gonna put his vid, some of his videos. I'll put one of his videos in the in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, he's incredible. And he's his incredible. mother wasn't his mother killed by the regime. Uh, I'm not aware of that. I think no. she was. She was definitely yeah. a leader, and um, I know she's deceased. I think she was. And I know she spent a lot of time in prison. I think she may have died in prison. I'm not familiar with that. And then there was. This young woman, Nika, I have to tell you about her story briefly. Nika, I don't remember her last name, but she was a young woman that was arrested and then she was killed. Uh, but they, the regime uh, came forward and said, no, she was not killed. She was uh, actually she committed suicide. And her brother attempted suicide uh, later uh, because he was forced to profess something that was not right uh, that yes his sister killed herself but uh he was forced to say those things so he attempted suicide but he thank god he didn't he was not successful so he was he's been hospitalized um now her father was um uh, executed nika's father was executed so there are so many there's so many let's let's not remember let's not forget those who died in uh, 2009 in the Green Revolution. Neda. For, Neda, exactly. She was shot, and we all watched her giving up her life. With her she, father, a beautiful, you know, is I had a daughter. She, she's about she was the, a spectator. Yes. She looks, she smiles at a camera, gives the peace sign, standing inches from her father. A beautiful moment. And then a sniper puts a round through her head. Yes. Yeah. And you know and, what you know what Nada means, right? In Farsi, yeah. obviously, it means voice, right? Voice is yeah. that correct? Yes, echo. echo. Like it's an echo. You 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 give net when you do Nada, you you announce something loud, and that that transcends you know time and space. Basically, it's a beautiful name. Well, what I love about that name is the sentiment in our film, The Stoning of Soraya M, which you all need to watch. Won the NAACP Image Award, runner-up at Toronto International Film Festival with Slumdog Millionaire. Um, there's a uh, Sheree Ashalu, Academy Award-winning actress, plays Nada's. I'm sorry, plays uh, Soraya's aunt. It's a true story. She says to the journalist, played by Jim Caviezel, French journalist, she says, "I want you to take my voice with you." And that's what we are to be. We're to be Nada's voice. Soraya, who was a victim of this regime. Nada, who was a victim of this regime. And now there are 15,000 young people looking to be sacrificed. I want to name someone. The Kurdish rapper's name is Saman Yasin. And I will place his video in there as well. He's uh, facing the death penalty any day now. And we need to ask, why don't we pray for them at church? Why don't we even know about this? We pray for climate equality and nonsense what are we even talking about and then there are real human beings um suffering daughters committing suicide fathers being executed brothers being imprisoned family after sheree ashalu's brother was tortured in prison because mm -hmm. of her because she was outspoken um real human beings real anxiety real yeah. fear you know i have to tell you the iranian um artists have come out just so bravely singing to their people, showing their support to their brethren in Iran, 
there's this the the queen of rock uh, Iranian pop um pop music uh, Gugush is her name in fact uh, Mahsa Amini the one who the Kurdish uh, Iranian woman the girl young lady that was killed 60 days ago uh, before her death she was dancing I have the video of it I played it in a webinar that I ho- uh, that I participated in a few day- weeks ago she was singing uh, and dancing to the song of Gugush who's really uh, probably the most famous singer that we have uh, and she came out on stage and she wept Gugush wept and she sang to uh, Mahsa Amini. So, so we see that the Iranian diaspora is working very hard, um, standing with their brethren. And we, as their fellow human, as their fellow Americans, uh, as their fellow Europeans, for example, we really have to come to their aid. Uh, one, because of humanity. Two, because of diplomatic relations that really Iran, Iranian Islamic Republic of Iran needs to be demolished because of its human rights crime, because of what it has done to the American lives uh, inside Iraq, in Afghanistan and elsewhere, uh, and uh, and what they plan to do in the future. It's just, it needs to go. It's been 40 years too long. I, as you said, I suffered in their hands. I won't say I was persecuted, to be honest, because what these people are going through that's real persecution i was mocked i was harassed i would say i was harassed and i was blessed enough to be able to flee it um and and something else that i tell you these artists these sports uh, men and women athletes that refuse to leave iran those are the real heroes so many of them say so many uh, political dissidents say we have the ability to leave but we will not leave this is our land and we will um stay here we will defeat this regime, and we will rebuild Iran. And Iranian diaspora, majority of them, cannot wait to go back to Iran to rebuild Iran. Iran, you know, when you started your segment, Jason, with something so beautiful, you said um, the Iranian people are different than the Islamic Republic of Iran. Iranian culture is beautiful. It's rich. It's uh, it's uh, very hospitable. It's um, pro-West, pro-America. Uh, and unfortunately, the Islamic Republic of Iran has tried to paint a really ugly image of the Iranian people. Yeah, until we abandoned, until we abandoned, but they haven't. They haven't been successful. And until we abandoned Iran, really set them, I believe, set them up for failure under the Carter administration and abandoned Iran. Um, they were our best friend in the world. Indeed, we weren't their best friend. Indeed. Here's the last question for you. Uh, well, two last questions. My last question is going to be: How do we support you and be a part of your team? But um, you're an Assyrian American, you're American, but you're, you're from Iran. We, we see Kurds in Iran being persecuted and standing and marching. What is the national identity? You have Assyrians, you have Kurds, you know, you, what, how powerful is that Iranian national identity for all the different ethnic communities and religions? So thank you for bringing that up because it's really interesting. One of the, one of the Tumajas, beautiful songs if you want i can translate it for you um if you want to post it uh he says oh maybe it's already been translated i'm not sure but he says he says i'm an arab i'm a kurd i'm a balut i'm uh, a turk you know because there are azaris in iran uh they are there are baluchis in iran these are all different ethnic groups right um there are arabs in iran Yazidis. iran has Sunnis. 
uh, they have Shiites there. They, we have Jews, uh, Jewish people. We have Armenians, Assyrians, Baha'is. Let's not forget about Baha'is. Baha'is have suffered tremendously as a faith group in Iran, tremendously. So, so um, Iran is really a microcosm of a beautiful human tapestry. Um, and they all had rights prior to 1979. We all lived peacefully. Not that the regime was perfect, right? Obviously. And that's what happens, right? These ideologues, sure. they chase sure. out, they, 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 they smash what's not perfect for the, the hope for some perf, something perfect, and what they get is a monster. Exactly. And what they're asking for now is an all-inclusive democratic system. So they want everyone to have a voice. They want everyone to be included inside Iran. So, um, so we would have, even though, Today, we have Assyrian representation in the parliament. We have Armenian representation. So everyone is really represented. But you're kidding me? There's no democracy there. They're all yes-men to Khamenei. Um, and speaking of parliament, I must tell you, there were two uh, parliamentarians, at least two parliamentarians in Tehran that stood up and they started, uh, on separate occasions, began to condemn a killing of the protesters and their mic was silenced, uh, but they continued screaming. So I don't know what's going to happen to those parliamentarians. They're probably going to be arrested, executed. Wait, where they, where uh, were they silenced? In in the parliament, they stood up on the uh, floor uh, of the parliament, uh, uh. and their mic was silenced. But then they didn't stop. They continued protesting, screaming uh, to the congregation there, to the parliamentarians. How can we kill? our own sons and daughters that are protesting the regime. So, again, I don't know what's going to be their fate because they rose against the establishment, right, in Tehran. So, um, yeah, it's, we really... So my message to the Americans, to your listeners, is please go become educated. Please learn about what's happening in the Middle East. Um, and we really have... Even though our regime, our administration is corrupt, even though unfortunately our voting system has been infiltrated and is corrupt. We, I still have hope that the Americans move Washington, not the other way around. I still have the same hope there. So we still have the power as the people to speak to our representatives, to really put pressure yeah, on I'm them. I'm so glad you do. said that. As we, we said, the regime in Iran doesn't represent the Iranian people. In so many ways, unfortunately, Washington hasn't been representing us. Correct. Correct. We still have the power. Speaking of domestic policy or uh, politics, we as Americans really still have the power, and we cannot relinquish it to, to those that want to rule our lives. We have to rule our lives. That's why I came to this country, because of its constitution, because of its supposed freedom. But I see it slipping away from me and from my fellow Americans. And there's so much at stake. The world is at stake. So we cannot lose our republic. It's as if we're it's, holding on. And if our grip if, if our grip fails, the world falls into the abyss. It's our you know, hand, I, but it's our hand it's, clinging to the cliff. But if our hand lets go, the world falls into the abyss. And I apologize for interrupting you. Sorry, I have so much to say, and I know our time is so limited. But coming from the Middle East, I mean, you've worked in the Middle East, and you've seen the ugly, the good, the bad, and everything. And I come from the Middle East, right? I've been raised 
uh, in that system. And I've worked tremendously, extensively in Iraq and other places in the Middle East. And I see hallmarks of it happening here, Jason. I and my fellow immigrants who've come here legally, who are American, proud American citizens, are, are so fearful, Jason, of what's transpiring here. And we've asked, I mean, my family, we've asked ourselves, where are we going to go from here? I, we thought this was it. This my was family's the- asking that question. Should we move? Should we leave the United yeah. States? When I'm seeing American conservative leaders say we need to balkanize as a country so we can protect ourselves, and it kind of makes sense. You're like, yeah, maybe that's the only way I can protect myself from uh, politicized, abusive federal police forces to move to conservative communities that they tread not to go. I mean, so I, this is what you're saying. We're balkanizing as, as a people, and bulk, people balkanize out of fear. And they want to be and and, and injustice, and they're just looking to be secure. So, um, it's it's the tribalization of America is quite frightening. I still have hope that we we the people will not allow this to go forward. Yes, hope, and I like to fight. So then it's like ah, you know, I just I guess I get to fight for the rest of my. We're going to have a battle on our hands. There's so much at stake. We're still the most blessed people in the world. Um, you know, we're we're uh we should never ever forget that. And we should not squander the blessings that we've inherited. Uh, because we're a country that's founded by people who had a boot on their neck. Then they come here with no boot on their neck and they're like Superman coming from Krypton. We're a country built by men and women who were oppressed and when they got here with they were so strong, so smart, so hardworking, um, and they're not having to just struggle. They can thrive and succeed, and they've they've taken the world warp speed into the future, Americans. And what is Americans? It's the people of the world who were oppressed, who came here and were free. We cannot lose that. We cannot lose that. And I'm praying that the people of Iran are finding it right now, and I hope that it spreads to Afghanistan. You know, I, before your before um, our podcast here today, uh, I was watching new, the news and they were saying that um, the the new leadership or the first the leadership in Afghanistan now is tightening and bringing more of the Islamic doctrine. Which and who's going to be the number one victim of theirs is going to be women. So as I was as I was listening to the public executions, the, the executions that will be now legal and rampant and public stoning and cutting off the limbs as they were reporting, I was thinking, I wonder if the good Afghans will rise against this. And if they do rise, are they going to be successful? Or is it going to take them 40 years to rise up against this? As Iranians, poor Iranians have tried for 40 years to rise and break the back of the Islamic Republic of Iran. Um, But, uh, yeah. Well, I I think if Iran is free, Afghanistan's next. I I I believe that. So, Juliana, how do we support your work at the Iraqi Christian Relief Organization? Thank you. Please visit IraqiChristianRelief.org, IraqiChristianRelief.org. Despite what you think, uh, ISIS has not been dismantled. ISIS is alive and well, unfortunately, again, in Iraq. It has not attacked the Christians, uh, but it's attacking uh, their fellow Muslims. Um, 
for the aftermath, the, the effect of what ISIS did in 2014 until 2016 still continues. People are still suffering there, refugees. There are so many people, Jason, two weeks ago, 45, 49 families just dropped everything and left. And they left to become refugees in Lebanon and Jordan, knowing, knowing how desperate the conditions of the refugees are. But they're so hopeless inside Iraq that, um, and there's no aid, not enough aid coming to them. There's not enough hope for them. So with the hope of resettlement to the West, they become refugees. And Jason, believe me, my friends, believe me when I tell you, I go, I've been to Lebanon, I've been to Jordan several times, twice a year I go to Jordan. I've been to Turkey and these refugees are not in camps, so they're not aided by the UN. The assistance comes from the church or from NGOs like mine that tries to help these people and their families, their families that are living already in Europe and America and North and Canada. But they live in such desperate conditions. There are a lot of them have cancer. All, almost all of them, I kid you not, elderly have heart disease and diabetes to, due to stress and malnourishment. And well, imagine trauma. all of us as we're listening. Imagine our grandparents, uh, or imagine just ourselves and our grandparents in refugee camps with all of their all of their health problems, and yeah, now they're, and they're exacerbated. Not they're not in ghettos. They're in ghettos. They're not in camps, Jason. So they're, for example, in, in Jordan, in Amman, I went and visited. So they're ghettos, which means they're living next to radical Muslims. So not only they're in severe poverty because they're not able to work there as they're waiting to be resettled, their neighbors harass them. Their neighbors spit at them. Their neighbors stone their houses because they're Christian, right? So, um, and we're not endowed. We heavily, heavily rely on small dollar donations or adoption by churches. Um, so please consider giving to us Iraqi Christian org because Jason really we're not going to be able to be sustained unless we receive donations so we can serve the people in Iraq and Jordan, Lebanon and Turkey. Well, I'm definitely proud to support your organization and I'm so grateful for your work, Juliana. And oh, 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 oh. years work. Well, I, this is what I'm excited about. You're going to have your own podcast soon. Yes. In a couple of weeks, we're going to launch uh, the first two segments. Uh, the podcast is called Ancient Past. So we talk about today's uh, issues, um, about the region in the Middle East. And we always, at the end, we always apply the important uh, wisdom from uh, Christianity, from Judaism, and from other faiths that uh, would really give meaning to what's happening around us. Well, I'm really, really excited about it. No, you know, I found, I'm so excited that you're starting a podcast. Can I give you unsolicited please. podcast advice? Please do. Please okay. do. I need it. So here it is. Number one, um, well, you and I are not podcasters, right? We're activists and we created this podcast. I, I'm guessing I created this podcast to find my tribe. Um, but knowing that even my tribe doesn't want to talk about genocide, democide, abortion, and total war every day. I said on the very first show, my goal is to become, to train myself to be winsome and funny and entertaining, which I still haven't figured out yet, but I'm working on it. And then, um, you You're know. doing a great job. Okay. Well, you but, huh? You're doing a great job. I'm trying. And then, you know, but to mix it up and then, of course, but always know that the line of gesture of this show 
is to promote human dignity and inspire solidarity with the vulnerable, which I think is going to be your show. And the thing is, just let who you really are stand that out. The other thing, you and I, there's just no way. Everyone always told me, you need to do your show at the same time every week. It needs to be the same length every week. I don't know why they were cowboys, but it needs to be the same length every week. It needs to come out the same time every week. I do this show when I can. The shows go as long or as short as I want. Some shows are 20 minutes. Some shows are three and a half hours. And you know what? The show is it's finding my tribe. And I, I would say once a week, a stranger comes up to me, thanks me for the show. And it's happened on planes and museums. Uber drivers pop out and high five me. Um, and you're going to find, you're going to find your tribe and be, you know, the, be consistently inconsistent. That's all I will say. And what I mean by that is never quit. I'm never quitting this podcast. I'm going to be doing this podcast when you guys are having Neuralink and are uploading to the metaverse. If I'm still alive, I'm doing this podcast because at least for me, like right now, we're talking about the, what's happening in Iran. It gives me a platform. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking about uh, Biden's meeting with Xi on, uh, and, and did he and did Xi and did Biden bring up East Turkestan? Did they bring up Cardinals and da da da? It gives me the opportunity. I don't have to wait on Fox producers. I don't have to wait on Steve Bannon. I'm grateful when these guys have me on, but I don't have to wait for them. Every day, whenever I want, I can talk into this mic, and thousands of people are going to listen. And that's really unbelievable. Sometimes tens and hundreds of thousands. And that to me is really unbelievable. And it, you're going to find influencers, very influential people listen to the show. They're going to listen to your show. And um, you're going to knit together your team. And that's, I'm so happy that you're doing this because we need a wall of sound um, promoting the dignity of the most beautiful people in the world who are suffering because of no fault of their own. So I'm so glad you're starting your show. Thank you. Thank you so much for your support, for your advice, for your friendship, Jason. And I'm really excited um, to bring to bring this um, to the masses. And you're right. Uh, we need to have so many voices out there on a united front to bring these issues because mainstream media doesn't do uh, nearly enough of what it's supposed to do. Um, so... And you're absolutely right. We shouldn't just focus on genocide and gloom and doom. We should bring our whole self to this. And we're human beings. We're funny. Uh, talk about our hobbies. Talk about our lives. Uh, I have a beautiful puppy. His name is Charlie. He's just filled my whole world. So Charlie's um, got to be key. Look, you're not nearly as bizarre, maladjusted, and weird as me. I'm not saying you're not those things. Just <laughs> I was so afraid to start this show. I was like, when people, when my donors start listening, I, honestly, originally, I was like, God forbid anyone that supports my organization finds out about the show. That was my fear. I was like, I'm going to do the show, but my none of my donors can know about it because I'm going to be myself, and I'm going to freak people out. They're not going to like me, and they're going to go, I give that lunatic money, not ever again. Um, but it's been the exact the opposite, opposite, 100% opposite. And so that's what's going to happen with you because you're much more charming and interesting and less frightening than me. So you're going to find out that it's just, yeah, bring the whole self, bring Charlie, bring it all, be you, and it's going to knit together a beautiful tribe. And you already have such a following across the Middle East. And I'd say half my audience is outside of the United States, and I think that's really interesting. And I think you're going to find the same thing. And, we've, you know, we're knitting together 
a community of people that are really committed to serving the vulnerable. My favorite donation, you'll love this. I get $2 a month from a, a guy who's a, a Syrian Kurd. Um, $2 a month from Syria. And it's he, so beautiful. He says those it's are, very painful are- for him, but he likes to do it. And, and um, I'm so grateful for that. And it's so genuine. Every single dollar that comes is so genuine, but especially from some people that don't have it and they give it. Those are the ones that really encourage us to do more. For example, Jason, you've seen this. You've been there. When you go to the Middle Eastern homes, if they have nothing and they all they have is water, they'll give you the last cup of water they have because they're so hospitable. So, And that water tastes so good if you decide to drink it because you that happened to me, Jason. I was in Iraq. This woman had nothing. She was living in a container, uh, in a, a shipping container. This was so I, uh, ISIS has, had just been defeated. And she was severely traumatized mentally. And all she had was water. So she opened, she had a couple of bottles. And we were about eight people. I had taken a delegation with me. And she handed me the bottle of water I took it because it's her dignity. I don't want to hurt her dignity. Of course I would take it. But I didn't open it. I went around. I gave it to the head of the camp in Iraq. And I said, give it back to her. But I honored her by receiving her goodness, right? Yes. And that's what that $2 from the Syrian man does to you. You know he doesn't have much, but he gives it to you because he believes in you. And that's so encouraging. Well, and it's it's a great grace. Well, Juliana, when you have your podcast on, you'll when it goes live, come back on, so then we can point people over to your show as well. And um, I, I really am excited for your your new program. I and promise me that you'll come and be a regular, because your your energy, your jolt of energy, is going to be just fantastic for the for the listeners. Anytime you want, I'm there. Thank you, thank you for your support and being who you are and for everything that you do for the world. Ditto. I look forward to seeing you soon. Now I am going to sell pillows, magazines, and then go eat pizza. (laughs) Enjoy. I love you, dear. Love you too, Juliana. Aloha. All right. That was the great Juliana Taimarazzi. I'm going to have the website to her organization in the show notes. Cannot wait for her podcast. And um, we'll have her back on so you can find it. Guys, this episode, I'm starving. I got to confess, I've been thinking... Uh, my wife brought pizza in about 30 minutes ago. I've been smelling pizza for 30 minutes. So I'm going to sell pillows fast and go eat pizza. So this episode has been brought to you by MyPillow.com. Go to MyPillow.com. Use the code Jones. Get deep, deep discounts on Mike Lindell's wonderful pillows. They're, you can wash them. If you're like me, you toss, you turn, and somehow you get the pillowcase off the pillow and now you got toothpaste stains on the pillow itself, not the, not the pillowcase. No problem. You can wash that made in America, 100% patriotic Mike Lindell pillow. Get that toothpaste stain off your nasty pillows. Also, you need to read Epoch Times. Go to iReadEpoch.com. Use the code Jason Jones, and you get your first month subscription for the most important newspaper in the world for only a dollar. And if you're still listening, thank you. Uh, Because I signaled I was about to do commercials. So probably most people are like, got to go. If you're still listening, listen. We're about to launch our major end-of-the-year blitz. We are $300,000 behind 
in the funds that we need to raise by the end of the year to meet our commitments in Afghanistan, Ukraine, Africa, and our work to advance the dignity of the vulnerable. We founded a new organization with Ryan Hendrickson, tip of the spear landmine removal. It is often on its own. Praise God, but we want to finish up paying for those robots. Also, we're launching a new organization called Hope for All Afghanistan with Prince Wafa, who is our director. That will be its own organization, part of our Olive Grove program of founding organizations to solve long-term problems because VPP needs to be able to swing into action where crisis is erupt and no one else goes. As things stabilize, we're going to be founding these organizations to stay where no one has yet arrived. Um, that is what we're doing. We need your support. Um, thegreatcampaign.org. Join up. Become a monthly donor. We're about to launch our initiative for our Coal for Christmas campaign. Uh, as you've been seeing in the news, there's a massive famine barreling in on Afghanistan. Just like last year, we believe we fed more people in Afghanistan last year than any other organization. Period. Uh, we're trying to double our efforts from last year. Go to thegreatcampaign.org and stand with the most vulnerable people in the world when no one else is around. That is our mission at the Vulnerable People Project. All right? Until tomorrow, there's a show coming out tomorrow. Until tomorrow, and then I'm heading to Mexico City where I'm giving a speech with Trump, like Walesa, uh, DeSantis. I'll talk more about it tomorrow. DeSantis, Bolsonaro's son, movie star Eduardo Verastegui, and I'll be there. Uh, one of those kids ain't like the other. That's me. All right? Until next time. It's the Jason Jones Show. This has been the Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media. Oh,